Welcome to the Modern Homesteading Podcast. We have allowed ourselves to become so disconnected and ignorant about something that is as intimate as the food that we eat. Be prepared to grow your own for victory. God said I need somebody strong enough to clear trees and heave bales, yet gentle enough to yean lambs and wean pigs and tend the pink-foamed pullets who will stop his mower for an hour to splint the broken leg of a meadowlark. So God made a farmer. Hello and welcome to the Modern Homesteading Podcast. I'm your host, Harold Thornborough, and I'm really glad you're joining me again today. And uh, we got a special guest today on the podcast, and it's kind of a long uh, discussion we're going to have, so I'll, we'll get right to it. But I just first wanted to say, Happy New Year, and uh, thanks for making 2016 such a great year for the Modern Homesteading Podcast. We had a large increase in downloads and listens this year, and we really appreciate that. And, uh, you know, uh, just the community that's been built around this podcast has been great. And uh, I look forward to 2017 with every one of you. And with that, let's just go ahead and jump right into our interview uh, with special guest uh, Tanya Morrison from Alberta, Canada. And I think you're going to love what she has to say to us today. I'm joined today on the podcast by uh, Tanya Morrison from Alberta, Canada. And uh, we're going to hear about her homesteading journey and her future homesteading plans today. And uh, with that, uh, Tanya, welcome to the Modern Homesteading Podcast. Thank you. Well, whenever I have a homesteader on the podcast, I always want to hear about what uh, led them down this path, got them, got them started down this uh, road to self-sufficiency and homesteading. Uh, would you mind telling us a little bit about your story and how you got here? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I'm actually a second-generation homesteader. My parents, I grew up in the Yukon, which is like northern Canada, and we lived off-grid. My parents moved us out into the bush before I, I remember. I think I was about one. We lived in a, a wall tent for about 14 years. My dad slowly built onto it, hmm. um, hauled water from a creek, had a generator, had propane lights, propane stage stove, had wood stoves for heat, heated our coop with a wood stove. Um, <laughs> yeah, so I kind of grew up like that, I guess, and then moved away from it a little bit. My family and I have moved away from it, but now uh, we're actually all, my parents are moving down from the Yukon. We're all going to kind of meet in Alberta here and start a new homestead, uh, multi-generational. Oh, wow. Yeah. What made the, made the family want to get away from that at one point? Um, I think, well, I don't know. My dad saw a documentary on how, uh, our food system works. Uh huh. And I believe I, I luckily don't remember it cause I, like we enjoy raising meat and it's a, a part of my diet I enjoy, but, uh, yeah, we were vegetarian for a little while. And then when we moved out into the bush there, we started raising our own meat birds and things. Mm-hmm. So, and hunting was a big part of my, my childhood. Most of our red meat was uh, moose or caribou elk. Yeah. So that was kind of how we grew up on it. And uh, I didn't realize that it was homesteading. I didn't, yeah. I just, it was how you were raised and how you grew like how I was brought up. So I just. Like you had chores and you worked and you yeah. you produced your own food and but you but you say you kind of got a, you kind of got away from that for a little while. What drove you away from it? You just just the life in general or <laughs> well, not, I've always been drawn back to the life. I've always missed it. But when I when I was about fourteen, um, the Yukon has a very mining based economy uh-huh. and the economy was taking a downturn. My dad's in construction and got found work in Vancouver. Okay. So I had the ultimate culture shock at 14. I went from living off-grid in the bush, like an outhouse, 
Mm-hmm. And then moving to West Vancouver, which is, I went to the, one of the richest high schools in Canada. Oh, wow. So, uh, yeah, it was an extreme culture shock for me. And <laughs> I actually lived on an island outside of Vancouver, so I'd catch a, a ferry to school every day. Wow. Usually that works the so, other way. You drag some kid out in the country and it's the <laughs> culture, culture shock. But for you, it was the opposite, right? Yeah. My mom said when my little brother was in kindergarten, she'd get calls from the school because he'd plug the toilets and stuff and let the water run because he was just so amazed at running water. <laughs> so wow, <laughs> wasn't something we had. We didn't have taps. So. Yeah, that but, is um, rare that you guys uh, grew up in that situation. That's uh, You don't see that a lot these days. No, I and honestly, I wouldn't change it. I... I I miss it. We're not off grid where we are currently, mm-hmm. and um, I I think it's the best way to raise kids. We we had chores. I we didn't have TV. We would have to run the generator, so we got TV night once a week. We had our friends. They would tape X Files for us, and so we fast forward for the commercials and watch it on our VCR. And that was like our family movie night. We get to watch like two episodes of X Files, kind of thing. And <laughs> But we were just really creative. We always were outside and experimenting, and mm-hmm. it's made me a really driven person. Kind of, I have got, I got. I think I have a good work ethic. I think you have to if you want to be a homesteader. Right. <laughs> so, I I think that kind of upbringing for children just gives them so much more self confidence. I never ran into a lot of the problems my friends did in high school. I didn't have the cultural pressures. I guess I didn't. I didn't conform to that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. And both my brothers, were they're very similar as well, too. So we're all really independent and self-assured <laughs> children. So it kind of, we all have different paths. But, um, yeah, I think if you raise your kids like that, you definitely are able to, like, they're just going to be more productive in society, in my opinion. But Sure, yeah, I agree with you. So so you uh, you made the, the, the trek from uh, the Yukon to Alberta, and, and what's your situation like now? you got a homestead going on, and what kind of things are you doing there? Yeah, we just got a small farm. So I have, um, we have horses, chickens, ducks, uh, pigs, a uh, big garden, but I am not, I'm working on my green thumb. I'm I'm amazing with animals. I love animals, and I'm really good at figuring them out. But gardening, something I'm not. My mom's the green thumb, so I'm excited she's moving back in the spring mm-hmm. because I'm going to get a better crash course in that. I definitely didn't appreciate all the work she did when we were kids because you can garden in the Yukon. Yeah, and, yeah. <laughs> and you can yeah. grow anything anywhere. De- definitely some challenges there that we don't have down in yeah. where I'm at for sure. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm kind of leaning. I'm. I'm really expanding out right now into canning and preservation, freeze-dried foods, things like that is kind of the direction that I'm exploring right now because we've always kind of produced our own food and we always did some canning and stuff growing up as a kid, but not to the extent where I, I don't want to go buy my canned tomatoes anymore. I don't want to go buy my sauces and things like that. And I'm trying to look at our diet and see what mm-hmm. we eat and at least produce it for ourselves. Yeah, sure, sure. Well, I you you mentioned okay, you mentioned some animals there: ducks, chickens, pigs. Um, now I mm-hmm. I seen a while back, or not too long ago, a few days ago, you posted something about losing a bunch of chickens. Yeah, we um, we only moved to this farm. My spouse, he's a farm boy from Alberta, and mm-hmm. we only moved to where we are last February. So we kind of jumped in the deep end, and that's usually how I do things. And <laughs> I've got a bunch of meat birds and a bunch of layers, turkeys, ducks. Yeah. Um, and we had a coyote problem. It was about a day and a half, and they kind of took everybody out. Wow. So we lost uh, meat birds. We were, were going to butcher them that weekend, so it was three days away from butchering. 
we lost all but four and I kept them because I just didn't have the heart after that. Wow. <laughs> and uh, we lost all of our layers except for seven. Um, our ducks, our turkeys, everything was gone, unfortunately. So, yeah, they just came up in a in a storm. I uh, Some of the Hutterites around here, some of the colonies were saying that coyotes can be more aggressive in that mm-hmm. kind of weather. And it was really raining and we, we free range and we lock them up at night, but we free range and I'd been going down there and I was kind of commenting that I felt some of the birds were missing. It just didn't look like they were there. And my spouse was saying that, well, it's just a storm and they're probably hiding up in the bush or something, right? And that makes sense. <laughs> and I was at work the next day and I got a call from him and he called me and said, there's no birds left. And wow. Said, what do you mean there's no birds left, right? And well, he's like, there's no birds left. There's no birds here. And then when we started kind of going through the tall grass and stuff, there was, they just, they killed a lot of them for sport too, unfortunately. Like I think we, mm-hmm. we counted upwards of 300 that we, wow. we had to bury because I didn't know if they were diseased or something, right? Yeah, no kidding. I've had other birds, if I, at least if, if a bird passes away naturally, I don't know what happens. There's a few wildlife preserves and things we can donate them to mm-hmm. or, mm-hmm. or raw food enthusiasts. Um, we try to do raw food for our dog, but I have the one dog that's allergic to chicken, so. So what's I have to the, find uh, other things for her. Okay, so you're going to go back to getting some more chickens, it sounds like. What's your plan to keep that from happening again? Well, actually, we just we picked her up yesterday. We got a Pyrenees earmuff. Guardian dog. Something. Okay, yeah. Yeah. So we're gonna we're doing that. We're also, um, most of our property is fenced with high-tension um, high electric, so we got a 10 strands. It's mm-hmm. designed for sheep. Yeah. So yeah. we're expanding that where the coyotes came up was the one part of our backyard that doesn't have shelter board and the one gate in the back pasture. Mm-hmm. We could see where they came through. So we're just going to improve the fencing and then um, have a full-time dog that lives with our, lives with our flock because yeah, I think, I think that'll be the best solution for the problems we face. Cause we also had a few problems when my birds were a little younger than me. Birds were about four weeks old. We had ravens come in mm-hmm. and attack them which I had, I had never experienced that one before. The hawks yeah. and the eagles don't seem to bother my birds, but the ravens were ravens. causing trouble. Yeah, I've never heard of that before. That's... Yeah, like they, they ripped them right apart. Oh, wow. <laughs> they took about 15 and half an hour when I went down there. So, well, what kind of acreage are you talking about, about there? I mean, I mean, how big of an area do they have to roam? We got four acres. Four and acres. And then we're looking at leasing an additional four right now, uh, Tayland. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I would like to get... Um, like a beef calf or something, but we just don't quite have enough pasture to stay, sustain that right now with the horses. Mm-hmm. So I think if we expand to four acres, we probably have enough pasture to do that. Cause that's the, we basically, our diet pretty much consists of like chicken, pork and beef. So mm-hmm. if uh, that's the one I'm not able to raise right now. Yeah. Yeah. How many pigs are you able to, to raise there? Um, They have three different pastures. So, we have six currently. I have two Berkshire gilt and then uh, four Tamworth large black cross. Okay. And they're just about ready for butcher. I'm going to go tape them here in the next couple of days because they're putting on, they're getting, they're probably going to go out. And then my gilts, they're still pretty young. And I'm just, I think we might breed them, but uh, around here, I don't know if it's just, it's probably more reasonable for us to go and purchase. Yeah, just start with some feeder, in the feeder pigs. And go yeah, them. exactly. Yeah. So it's a lot easier. Like, so that's how we got these guys. Yeah, yeah, that's how we got these guys. And then it's a little less work too to winter. It's, mm-hmm. it's pretty bitter and cold here sometimes. So we were we just came out of a minus thirty snap, which is I don't know what that is in Fahrenheit, but it's <laughs> oh, cold. Yeah. yeah, that's right. Well, yeah, yeah. It sounds like yeah, it sounds like you're doing pretty good with that. I mean, you're just I mean, you're not looking to sell anything. This is just meat for your family and 
things like that, right? Yeah, like a few. I saw I saw a few. Like some of the pigs are already spoken for, so they'll be going, and I will be. Mm. Um, so I'm interested in doing that, but I don't. I like the time at home with my family, and uh, when it comes to homesteading, and the more interest I get in it, the busier I get at home, which I love. But I don't want to be too tied up in things like farmer markets and things like that on the weekends. Uh, I would like to have my time. So I'm looking more into like the direct market sales, word of mouth sales, and then looking at payment options for people. I, I grew up eating really healthy when we moved, when we moved to the city, our health took a huge hit and it was just because of a lack of education. We were, we were eating really well just because of where we lived and how I, how I was raised and eating wild meat and growing our own food and having our own garden. And Mm -hmm. we never really thought about the, the large amount of impact it had on our health. And so moving to the city and finding Costco and drinking diet Coke and <laughs> eating. Right. So we, um, I found our, all of our health took different tolls in different ways, mm-hmm. moving to the city and not having that access to the food that we were growing ourselves or harvesting ourselves. So I, I, I really would like it if it was more affordable to other families because even even us without raising it, I, I can't afford a lot of the quality. If you go to a store and you go, if you try, if you're standing there and you're looking at chicken, one's organic and one's not. And then it's still the question too, I think when it comes to high production farms like that, mm-hmm. and as it ethically raised, it might be organically fed, but so um, I want to offer like maybe payment programs or something like that. Something I'm kind of looking yeah, into. Almost, for, like a, almost like a CSA for, but with payment yeah, or something I, like that. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I don't know if there's, I haven't been able to find any CSAs in our area. I don't know if that's more of an American thing. Yeah. I'm not than around either. here. So, sounds, sounds like yeah, the same like, problem with the food costs though, that we have here. If it's healthy, it's twice or three times more than, than the unhealthy uh, oh, counterpart. That's crazy. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So I think we're going to, I'd like to kind of look into that and maybe more direct marketing it and doing that kind of thing. Cause, um, like I enjoy helping people and working with people. I enjoy educating people. Um, mm-hmm. I've done, cause I grew up with chickens and things like that. Even this summer, um, I've, it's opened up some opportunities for maybe hosting some courses or things like that. Cause people like to me, butchering a chicken's common sense. <laughs> yeah. I grew up doing it. I didn't realize it wasn't something people didn't understand how to do. And here it's, you ship your birds out, it's 3 to $6 a bird to get them butchered, and then they dip them in bleach water at the end. Yeah. So, yeah, that, right, because it's a high production or a, yeah, high kill facility. So. Yeah, around here, I, mean, I don't know what the situation is up there. I guess you have facilities for that, but it's even hard. Uh, in my area, it's hard to find facilities that will do that for you. And if you're going to sell the meat, you pretty much have to take it to a facility to have it done, but it's not real convenient yep. on the location of those places. A lot of times you might travel a long way. Oh, no, way. some people... Mm-hmm. Well, and, that, and I think the problem with that too in our area is some people have to travel quite a ways. Um, we have um, Hutterite colonies around us, uh-huh. a lot of Alberta, mm-hmm. which um, so they they have um, a traditional uh, religious background, but they are very they're very commercialized. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. a lot of the food production, crop production, most of, like a lot of the land owned around us, and well in Alberta generally. Um, a lot of it is owned by Hutterites and they do, they, they, are, they're really, really smart. They got it figured out because they do from production to sales. They, they have it all. So you can usually go to them and they have the, the certified facilities. Mm-hmm. So you can have your meat certified to sell. Um, there is no portable abattoir that offers that here in Alberta. 
I know they were looking into it in one of the colleges nearby us here, but I don't know if it really got off the ground. I think that would be an amazing opportunity for small production farms. Yeah, no kidding. But um, it's not available here yet. I know it's actually something that's available in the Yukon, where I'm from. Originally, they that's, that's the only thing they have up there is a portable abattoir because up until then there was no way you couldn't sell meat because there was no processing facility up there. So right now the only option up there is a portable abattoir. Okay, wow. Yeah, yeah it sounds, sounds similar to around here. I mean, I, I think some states they have they have that uh, kind of set up and in other places it's just, you know, you have to travel a long ways or or the option. Is, I think in, a, in some states down here even there's like you can do so many birds yourself, but if you go over a certain number, then, you know, it's a problem. You can, you know, it, it, there's just all kinds of regulations yeah. and rules everywhere you go that are different and hard to keep track of them all. Well, and even, yeah, well, even between us and Saskatchewan and Manitoba, there's different regulations i'm not sure i think there is a province where you can sell a certain number direct mm-hmm. off your farm as long as it's marked uninspected but um in alberta where it has to be inspected if it's going to be sold like we can't even sell it for um like dog food yeah like oh, i wow. can't even sell it as uninspected meat uh, i can't do any of that so if you are to sell like the only thing your only option is sell it alive or sell it inspected mm-hmm. right now yeah. Well, yeah. you you obviously I don't know you had a pretty good number there. You said you lost three hundred around three hundred birds. So I mean you were looking at a lot of birds and a lot of production there. So obviously you had the intent yeah. to to have those uh, processed somewhere and and sell them, right? Well, actually, most of the meat birds they were the meat birds they were going to be. Uh, I was raising them for friends. So they were going to come butcher their own. Oh, okay. Um, with us and for my family as well. So um, we only had one hundred fifty meat birds. So I wasn't okay. too high on the meat birds. But then I had. Um, breeding stock. We're looking at doing uh, rent-a-hen because we're essentially located between Edmonton and Calgary, which are some of the largest cities here in Alberta. And um, Red Deer is our closest town. Again, it's quite large. And they're they're starting a lot of the urban chicken programs where you can have four or five hens. So, But there's really no option here for people that don't have an education on birds. And you our our version of uh, I think it's tractor supply you guys have down there mm-hmm. is uh, PV Mart is what we have here, and uh, you go there and you're going to spend six to nine hundred dollars on a coop that really oh, yeah. isn't insulated. It's not designed for our weather up here. Um, they're not user friendly most most of the time. They're quite frustrating to use. And then so you got that investment, and then you go and you kind of shop around online and you start looking for birds or something like that and. People are probably 20 to $30 in for a heritage hen around here, uh, especially when that's laying and stuff. So there's a, it's a huge investment for someone who's not sure if it's something they want to do or someone who has experience mm-hmm. with it or someone who is inexperienced I mean, with it. So I'm looking at starting a program where we can lease out the, uh, like uh, a portable coop and then with the birds and have that for six months. So uh, I'm not going to provide coops in the winter because it is a little definitely harder up here mm-hmm. to, to care for birds in the winter, especially if you're inexperienced. And um, so do a rent-a-hen program with heritage hens and offer people the opportunity to learn and kind of grow and then have an adoption program at the end if they decide it's something they actually want to jump into and something they want to continue doing. There's also a, there's also a good market around us with what people call acreage owners, which I guess would kind of be us where an acreage because we only have four acres, but mm-hmm. there's a, a lot of the sections here, the larger farms cut out a little piece and sell it, and uh, people from town buy it because they want to have their horses, or they still want the convenience of being reasonably close to town. Most people, I don't think, would be willing to drive more than half an hour. But um, 
then they have an interest for that kind of thing too. So there's a few different markets like that that are available. So I had a lot of breeding stock, different yeah, heritage breeds. Those are some interesting <laughs> uh, business models. Rent a hen, huh? Rent the coop and, and yeah. the hens, and yeah. And, and you're right. I think that would be a really great way to introduce people to chickens and and get them going. It takes away a lot of the um, the fear of you know getting buying yeah. a bunch of birds and then having to deal with you know all the headaches that come along with that right off the bat. But if you could just kind of temporarily uh, get some birds or whatever yeah. and try it out for a while before you make a, a big investment or just a, a big plunge into that kind of a business, you know, or whatever, uh, just provide your own food. It'd be exactly. a good way to get some healthy food to people or really, really well. Well, exactly. And then having, having someone to educate, I've spent a lot of time on my phone, like on, I'm on a bunch of different chicken sites on Facebook and I have, especially in Alberta, I have no problem picking up the phone calling someone because they're like, my turkeys are dying. I don't know what's happening. They figure out, well, there's a breeze, right? Like turkeys. Mm-hmm. I, I had frustrations with turkeys this year. I understand that, but I mean, I'm experienced with it. So when you're inexperienced, it can even be, uh, more aggravating and upsetting. And like raising your own meat and having that experience with that animal and providing that animal quality of life and having it provide nutrition to your family is just, is such a great experience. And I don't want people to be turned off by it. Right. Yeah. I want people to have a, hopefully a good introduction to it and have, have some support with it because it's, it can be devastating otherwise. Like the, the losses we had this year, was it was really hard to face. And like I said, we had only moved to the farm in February. So I had we had invested in our birds and our birds for 150 here. And we had, um, they were called a Western Rustic. They were a slightly slower growing broiler. Mm-hmm. But they were $600 just for 150 birds after yeah. shipping. Significant right? loss. So after, plus all the feeding and, and raising them to that age, yeah. Yeah, so all your feed and then even just equipment. I didn't have a single heat lamp. I didn't have anything so we we had quite an investment into them and the weekend before we looked at them and said oh we'll give them another week we want them a little bigger which i regret saying now <laughs> and then we were about three days out from butchering that weekend when that happened and wow so if, if someone who's not as stubborn as maybe we are might be turned off from that kind of experience so we're also going to be offering um a broiler leasing program so um a heritage cross meat bird that grows in about nine weeks Mm-hmm. And so they'll get 25, 25 meat birds, uh, a chicken tractor, a brooder set up, feed, because I also, I found in our area, uh, grains readily available. We're, we're in a huge farming, like Alberta is huge farming community. So um, I have access to all different kinds of grain and all different kinds of products. Um, and so I've started mixing my own feed and I'm, I think it's costing me about 20 cents a month oh, per wow. bird, per hen right now. And that's non-GMO, non-sprayed, wow. all natural. Um, and, yeah, so I've gotten to a point where I'm doing that. So there's a lot of other people that want an education in that as well. So uh, we're thinking in the spring of offering, like, a broiler leasing program where you get, say, 25 birds, you get your chicken tractor, your feeders, your waters, everything, and then you raise your birds because you don't have to put out that expense of building all that stuff or building your fences or buying the feeders or and you can hopefully work from someone else's experience who's bought that feeder that doesn't work or the water yeah. that doesn't work. And then basically we'll get the equipment back. They get to butcher their own birds and we'll, um, we have some friends that are doing, we'll have a, we're probably going to have a, a mobile butcher trailer. So it wouldn't be inspected. You couldn't sell the animals, but the same thing. You, it's a huge investment. You want to go butcher your own animals. It's mm-hmm. $600 for a, a quality plucker, right? There's a lot of, there's a lot of elbow grease. There's a lot of other ways around it. There's a lot of ways to do it if you want to do it on your own. But for someone who who wants it to be a little easier, 
and maybe someone who maybe wants to see if it's something they want to do but doesn't want to invest in all that equipment and stuff right away. So we're going to offer leasing and rental programs too so then they can they can still experience it but not have to have that initial investment of a thousand bucks to go get your equipment up and running and your fencing and your feed and everything else, right? Sure, yeah. Now, you, you know, I assume you've done some homework. There seemed to be a pretty good interest for this uh, around your area. I mean, quite a few people talking about yeah. it. Yeah, there is. There, like, and actually, we we had a plucker. We had a stand up plucker. We were trying to use. We had three different times we butchered this year, mm-hmm. um, and our plucker wasn't working. So I, I actually ended up renting one, and it was a it's a great idea. It was awesome. I was happy that I was able to. It cost me fifty bucks, right? And I was able to process our birds. We only did thirty birds, but honestly, it was worth it for me because we were standing oh. outside in the snow by car light by the time we had got to it. <laughs> <laughs> so we were. I was very happy to have that, and um, yeah, there's a there's a huge interest in that. A big problem, I think, though, is I've always I've always lived out of town, and I caught a ferry to school. We had a, a ranch in northern BC. It was two hours to any town. I grew up in the Yukon. My bus ride was an hour and a half each way. So I've always been used to traveling, but I find people that live closer to cities after 15, 20 minutes, they seem to feel it's a long drive. So. I think if you're looking at programs like that, it's either you need to offer the transportation, you need to offer the delivery service, or you need to have it more spread out so it's more available to different areas. Yeah. So our friends that have the plucker that we rented, um, they're, they're actually they're about an hour and a half away from us, so it actually worked really well because they could serve a different area than us mm-hmm. and offer that, that, that option to people that just, and if you're only butchering once a year, is it really worth the investment in some of the equipment? Wow. Well, you know what, Tanya? I hear a lot of people talking about how they they uh, they would love to see people, you know, do more and eat better. And, and uh, boy, it's great to hear somebody that's actually taking some initiative and taking some steps towards actually helping that happen, you know? I mean, it sounds like you're really working towards making some things happen. That's gonna see, This is going to be a reality for some people, you know? I mean, they're going to eat better. They're going to learn how to raise their own food and grow their own food and things like that because you're, you're taking an initiative. I that's, that's great. I love hearing that. Well, it's, it's a lot of fun, and I, I just like seeing people get excited about it and yeah. have fun with it. It's, it is, it's such a fulfilling lifestyle. I, you should go to bed tired at the end of the day because you Absolutely. achieve something. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I, it's something that I'm, I've always been passionate about. It. I've missed. I'm, my parents moved back in the spring, so that's when we'll probably start looking for land. We're looking at a, a larger piece because we're i i have a passion for cattle and my spouse has a background in cattle mm-hmm. so that's definitely a direction we want to go in the long run and alberta is a huge beef industry area so grass-fed is in high demand those kind of qualities are in high demand ethically raised is in high demand and people are i think the general public is getting more educated on it as well too mm-hmm. and starting to understand where that quality comes from so if if people are looking at homesteading i think there's a huge opportunity there to offer to 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 offer your experiences your interests and and to combine your lifestyle but not not be a hermit and just run away from the world too right yeah the challenge the challenge really is raising animals or even growing vegetables is is keeping that cost uh, you know affordable when you're growing in an organic or raising in a natural way uh pasture raised or whatever because you know there is a because as you know what you're you sounds like you worked on the feed enough to know how to get them prices down but if you go buy organic yeah. feed it's expensive you know and, and, and oh it's it's 
it's double the cost for yeah, organic yeah. So and that, and, and that really is the reason why you know a lot of these animals that are, are raised in that way are, are so expensive to buy the meat and and even the vegetables. Absolutely. I mean, when you're uh, you know uh, yep. can't keep the pests off and you know you got a, a shortage of of what you can sell. Um, you yeah. know, it's going to cause some some rise in the prices, and that is the challenge. I think trying yeah. to make it affordable for people to eat right, but yet you know, give them something healthy as well. Yeah, exactly. But I think if you if you can create an interest in it, and I don't know, I'm a I'm a huge fan of the smaller farmers. I think I think a lot of the issues in our food today has come from the high production. You put twenty thousand birds in a coop, it's not mm-hmm. good for them. No, <laughs> and you're not you're going like you and I, even if even if you have really good animal husbandry skills and you're in there and you're experienced with them, you can't prevent certain diseases. You can't prevent certain outbreaks. You can't prevent issues when, when they're so close like that. You yeah, well, they, they figured out a way. They, they just safety. pump them full of medicine. Yeah. <laughs> and then we yeah. get that as well. So. Yeah, exactly. You Let's just keep them full of antibiotics full yeah. time. Yeah. But I think if there's a there's a huge demand, like our pigs, we picked up, we, we picked up our pigs and just me, well, I'm passionate about my lifestyle, and I'm pretty sure anyone around me knows about it because I like to talk about it. But um, through that and day-to-day life, my pigs were sold. I never tried to sell them. Yeah. But the people that are interested in them are interested in that quality. They want the heritage meat. They want the ethically raised. They want that, that, that roots. They've been to my farm. They've seen our animals. They've bought hens off me and things like that, right? So they know they have those experiences. And so I think if... If you're wanting to live this lifestyle and if you're happy to share it with people, there there definitely be opportunities there for that. And it was the like the whole idea for the the broiler leasing um, option was because when I looked at our experience last summer and how much it cost us and not one of those chickens ended up feeding our family. Mm. Um, and I looked at like our expenses and at that point I was only just starting to get into to our own feed and and mixing our own grains and finding wholesale options for us. Um, it was, it was a huge expense that we was, was wasted. It was, it was a good learning experience and there's a bunch of benefits to it. I guess, I think in the long run, including looking at that and saying, well, maybe someone else would rather pay some, but maybe not only equipment and they can always buy the equipment too, if they decided something they want to do, or they can build their own if they decided something they want to do. But that first initial step into something like that, it's, it's it's hard. It's difficult. It's a mm-hmm. it's a huge commitment, and so financially, if you can, I think if you can cushion that for some people, I think there'd be a good opportunity there. Yeah, you kind of got you just kind of have to count those initial loss uh, losses your first year as a educational <laughs> expense yeah. for sure, because that's what it is. You, you definitely learn. Well, Unfortunately, yeah. it comes at the price of some lives for the livestock, and we've all experienced that. Anybody that's a homesteader exactly. knows that sometimes our inexperience will result in something we don't want to think about, but it does happen. You know, yeah, it, exactly. there's a there's a learning curve in it for sure, and you know, yeah. you just learn some things. Well, and, and I grew up raising chickens and everything like that. And everyone told me, no, you can't you can't free range. There's too many predator issues and I had did I had great great luck for <laughs> half the summer. <laughs> I had zero predator issues. So um yeah, but then you, you live and learn and move on and I'm I'm still really passionate about pasturing and having my animal tree range, so I'm not I'm not locking up my birds still. I well, yeah, you took I'm the not right going steps, to do so that. You should so. be fine, yeah, with the yeah. I mean, you got the dog now. I mean you did what you you know what you want to do and you took the steps to make yeah. that happen and you can find out. a solution that's right. for it. Yeah. That's right. And and we do we actually we have two other dogs too and the premise when we got our shepherd was that he'd be an outdoor dog, but he's he's a city dog. He came 
from a home he hadn't uh they couldn't walk him they had some issues with him just because well, he's a very large high energy dog mm-hmm. and he's amazing mm-hmm. on the farm he's amazing with the birds and he's great but he's like he's scared of the dark and he's been he's been a house dog and i don't think i don't know if i i, I get i don't have the heart to make him an outdoor dog <laughs> so <laughs> it's all right. some, some animals are just that's that's fine <laughs> you know there's pets yeah. too. <laughs> i agree that's fine yeah exactly so i'm like we picked our our large our our guardian dog up yesterday and i'm Oh wow! I haven't brought her in the house yet, so <laughs> just just a puppy though, but, right now. Yeah, she's twelve weeks. Okay. So yeah. I actually have her set up in the coop. She's she has her own area because she has zero interest in the birds, which I like. She has zero prey drive when it comes to them. Mm-hmm. With watching her, um, she seems really great with them, but obviously she needs more training and time and supervision. So mm-hmm. I'm high. She's in the coop. She's living with the birds. She's got her own her own penned off corner of the coop and her own kennel and her own little house in there. And so she's doing, she's doing good. And kind of though you walk away and she starts crying and you feel like the meanest person in the world, but um, <laughs> it's, it's her job. It's her, it's her purpose. Yeah. In our yeah life, that's, so. that's, uh, you sounds like you're doing it just like you need to do it there. So, uh, well, okay. Yeah. So you, what you're doing here, you got four acres, you, you got your little uh, ranch going on, but that isn't your ultimate plan. Your ultimate plan is to, to get more acres, go off grid again. Did I Absolutely. understand you saying that right? You want to be off grid? Oh uh, yeah, hundred percent off grid. Um, yeah. We're going to be doing that with my parents. Okay. So between, like, I'm the I'm the animal person. I have a lot of experience with animals, vet care, things like that. My mom is the gardener. She can grow anything out of anywhere. Mm-hmm. Um, my spouse, he's a truck driver with a welding background, and my dad's construction. So between all four of us, there's basically nothing that we can't deal with yeah, or handle cool. when it comes to that kind of lifestyle. Um, my myself, my mom and dad, obviously, we have a lot of experience with that. My spouse, uh, he grew up on a farm here. It was off. I don't. He had power when he was a little younger, but he's he's not scared of an outhouse or something like that. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. Um, we will buy a larger piece, probably a little further from where we are right now. The area we're in is it's highly it's highly farmed. There's a lot of um, spraying and commercial farming around us, which is something we don't want to be too close to (laughs) so we're looking um yeah looking at a few different parts of alberta there's a lot of options though so we're looking at some areas where it starts kind of getting a little more mountainous Mm -hmm. there's less interest for the for the large commercial farmers to use that land so um probably a quarter section at least um i think it's 160 acres is probably the minimal we're looking at up towards of of a full section which is four quarters so we would Depends on the on the land and the, the price and things like that. Um, and then building, uh, I'm, I've been fooling around with plans, so we kind of have an idea of a passive solar house style that would suit our family and our needs. And then um, in Alberta, everyone has hay, straw, byproducts like that. So we're going to have an, an external boiler system that actually uses uh, radiant heat in the house or in our shop. Um, I would like to grow fodder, so a fodder room, mm-hmm. and um, that actually the, will burn old straw or hay bales, which you can, I have, I don't know, I've got 15 in my field right now that are sold, and only I can't use them, but no one will take them. Oh, wow. <laughs> so yeah. if I could burn them, and they burn forever, they smolder forever, so it's kind of a, a free energy source option for us. I don't think I've or, ever heard of that um, setup before, just burning old hay and straw, huh? Yeah, like it's a it's a giant outdoor broiler, and then you basically I think it uses hot water system into your house, and you can either set it up through radiant floor heating. We're gonna do radiators on the walls, 
Um, I don't, radiant floor heating kind of makes me uncomfortable because especially in the basement stuff when it's cemented in, I, I want to be, be able to repair things ourselves. <laughs> yeah. So uh, radiant heaters and throughout the house and then a wood, a wood stove and a wood cook stove in the kitchen and then probably propane. Um, it's really common here um, to have natural gas piped into your property. Mm-hmm. But even then I look at my monthly bill, it's $80 a month just yeah. to have the service. Wow. So it's not something I'm interested in continuing in the future. So you obviously have to have electric, though, for running pumps and things for the water system, I'm assuming. So you yeah, solar, so, should be looking at solar for that? Yeah, for sure. And then probably wind because it, okay. it, uh, it would depend on our area. But yeah. um, solar is definitely the way to go. And um, we get some we get some really good light. Alberta is a lot, well, in the Yukon it wouldn't work. We get almost 24 hours in the dark in the winter, but down here we get a little more sun. It's, it's dark here now, and um, we have some solar set up around our farm right now, too, including like for yard lights and fencing and things like that. So there's, it's, it's, I think it's a good feasible option as long as you, you build your life for it, as long as you know what to expect. But mm-hmm. we don't even have a microwave or anything like that currently. And if you built your house properly, I think your, your power consumption is pretty easy to manage that way. Yeah, yeah, sounds like you got that. A pretty good plan there for, for going off grid. Of course, it's not like you're inexperienced with that. <laughs> you know what you're doing. I mean, you grew up that way. No, we've had solar in the past. We had a, we had a generator. We had propane lights. We had, um, uh, it's amazing how little you need if you get your, if you can get your refrigeration figured out. But even now, since, since even when I was a kid, like I'm 30 now, but since I was a kid, uh, the technology's come so far. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, like you couldn't dream of running a fridge or any sort of refrigeration on solar where now it's an available technology, right? Right. Yeah. So there's a few different options there. I kind of like the idea of propane because I can just have one large um, tank in our yard, have it filled monthly. Mm-hmm. And then um, that would probably be my, my refrigeration, my main source of cooking. I, I will have a wood cook stove, but um, we are, we're, we're a family. We're busy. Um, I also want to be realistic with how much time I'll have to to put to, towards that. I'm, I I would love to just have a wood cook stove, but I haven't fully committed myself to that. <laughs> and then, um, yeah. So there's a yeah, there's a bunch of options available. I think though, if you if you look around, like I'm just I'm I'm amazed. Um, like composting toilets, things like that. Mm-hmm. The technology in them nowadays is just it's amazing. Oh and yeah. Gray water systems. So. I've seen some pretty neat setups for the composting toilets and things. It's it's amazing how far that stuff yeah. has come, really is. Oh, I know. Like, there was one I was looking at the other day. It takes a teacup of water and you empty it every three years. <laughs> wow, yeah, I haven't seen that up. one. That's it, it'll, it, it'll travel 12 feet vertically as well. Oh, It's wow. just amazing. Yeah, there's some really, really interesting technologies out there. So I'm kind of excited about that. And Alberta has... Um, they're all, they're often on the forefront of this kind of stuff too. I think like mm-hmm. there's a lot of options available. These there's a Hutterite colony that actually has one of the the broilers I, like that I was discussing because you can buy them. Uh, a lot of people you can get them where they're pellet fed or you can do big lengths of wood. Some people like you're not bucking up your wood as much and it's all your mess is all outdoors. And I I know several people that have that style um, here. I know some people in Alberta that have them that use them to heat their house and their shop. Um, but the, if you could burn a lot, like a 1600 pound round bale of straw mm-hmm. or hay, old moldy stuff you can't use. Um, and I'm sure almost farmers, like I would almost pay someone to take these ones off my property because my only option right now is to burn them, but they'll smolder for 
weeks. Yeah, <laughs> it's yeah. going to be a, it's going to be, and it's not the nicest smell when they're burning too. It's not that nice wood <laughs> smoke yeah. smell. Do you guys, so, does anybody up there ever consider like the rocket mass heaters or anything like that? You know what? Yeah, they have, um, my parents, that's like, this is where me and my, my parents differ. My dad's going to be doing a wood stove in his house uh-huh. or, and, uh, he, he really likes that rocket mass heater. Um, the problem with that though is, uh, insurance. Yeah. A lot of insurance companies don't recognize them. So I think it would be, if you want to take the risk and I think they're, I think they're great. I think they're an awesome idea. Um, so my parents are there doing a wood stove in their home and that's how they're, they're still going to do radiant heating through with, with, and have their wood stove in their basement, um, and have a few different options. Like, like that's how they're going to heat their home. But, uh, because of our lifestyle and I'm, I do want to have a fodder room and I, I want, um, uh, we'll have a shop area that's heated and things like that too. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I want to have the option that I don't want to have to run around stoking five different stoves kind of thing. <laughs> yeah. I understand <laughs> so, that. I understand that. Yeah. So yeah. for, for us, that kind of, that was more suitable um, there's, there's some debate my, between me and my dad on it. He, he said that, uh, one of the big concerns with that is that if you have a, a pump that goes or something like that, you kind of, you're out of luck for heating. Mm-hmm. Um, cause you're, you're using just the one source and I will have a wood stove in my house as a instant heat, yeah. um, and as backup heat. And then I'll have another, like, I'll have that all hooked into the propane system. So if we, mm-hmm. we are away or something like that, my house will, won't freeze up at least and like yeah. minimally keep it heated to a minimal temperature but um so i don't know well i guess i guess time will tell that one because that's the debate between him and i right now is he's, <laughs> he's he's feeling that it's not not that it's not an efficient system but maybe it's not uh, as reliable as as chopping that wood and you stoking your fire and knowing it's done right. kind of thing so yeah, and that's something yeah. we'll just have to you know, trial and error and work it out as time goes. I'm sure you guys will get get yeah. the bugs worked out of that and figure out exactly how you're going to do that. But, you know, you were mentioning earlier yeah, exactly. about uh, kind of like how technology is, has come so far. And it just kind of reminded me of something about how, you know, so many people look at homesteading like this escape from modern technology and running away from, you know, the way things are in every every area. But it's really not the yeah. case with modern homesteading. I mean, we're trying to take advantage of modern technologies like, you know, Absolutely. compost toilets and, and heating uh, situations. Yeah. I mean, really, rocket mass heaters are a relatively new thing. You know, they're still trying to figure those out. And it's kind of like cutting edge stuff, really, but they work really well. And, and all these things are modern, but yet it takes us back to an, an old way of living in a lot of ways, which I think is pretty fascinating. Yeah. Well, and it's, and when you, it's, it's, it's so available though. It's, it's mm-hmm. like the internet. Like I, I grew up reading Back to Basics that, you know, that, that yellow book. Mm-hmm. That was my favorite book on my dad's bookshelf. I I pull it out and I I I probably know every page of that book, everything that's in that book because I've read it thousands of times. It was my favorite book growing up as a kid. And now I uh, like just for example, my chickens. Trying to come up with, with a concept for a feeder in my chicken tractor that moves in my chicken tractor, so I don't have to pull out my feed and water, move my chickens, and then put it back. Right? Mm-hmm. Pinterest. Google, like there's so many options out there. YouTube, yep. looking at all these different options, uh, it's it's so readily available. I I I see on on a lot of home settings that people seem to be intimidated by it, but I'm just I guess I'm excited by it. There's so much support and availability and option and access nowadays. Yeah, I'm right there with you. I agree. Like, you're 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 not depending on one book. You're not depending on your neighbor's opinion. You're right. Like you. There's so much option to do as much research as you want or as little 
it's it's all right there. And if you run into a problem, I had um, I had I had a, a pig we got. One of our piglets uh, had mites, mm-hmm. and I took a picture. I threw it on my pastured pork site because we had, we got her here, and she was really wild. I couldn't get near her, and I finally had her up at the fence, and I said, like her skin, like her ears were looking a little scaly, and I didn't know what it was. Right? It took. A picture and five minutes, and I had thirty answers. <laughs> <laughs> and, and a solution and then, for it and as a, well, yeah. And and absolutely, and a solution from everything from like we, I, I, we were a homeopathic farm, so I really, I don't use the antibiotics. I don't use a lot of the commercial drugs or commercial treatments that people use. Olive um, oil in the ears helps a lot. <laughs> yeah, and I, uh, I'm a huge. I love using castor oil, pine mm-hmm. tar. There's a lot of different things that, and then things that I've picked up, like growing up on a farm. My, when we, we grew up, I grew up on a farm. When an animal got sick, you figured it out. You helped the animal. You, you didn't always have the option to run to a vet. There was, there's very little vet care available in the Yukon. It, it's improved since I've left. But when I, when I was up there and had horses, there was no large vet there to, to see your horses. The only thing they could do is draw blood work mm-hmm. and then give you some guesses. This was the best. Like there was no, there's no x-rays. There was no facilities for them. There was nothing available for it. So, and that was, that was 10 years ago, less than that, five years ago. <laughs> so if uh, you kind of, I guess I grew up having to be independent with caring for animals. So if you, if you have those homeopathic things on hand, it's, it's not a, they, they, they can treat such a wide variety of animals and such a wide variety of issues. Yeah. And it's really a handful of things that I have on hand. Like I, I use diatomaceous earth. We use mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, pine tar, castor oil, uh, I'd have to go take a look at what I have run around. Um, I really, I'm a huge proponent of uh, colloidal silver. I mm-hmm. I really enjoy using that product internally and externally on on anything, including myself and my family, with everything we have. So, um, if you can find those kind of solutions, and it was, and and I, farmers have a different approaches, and even our like on the pastured pork site that I'm on, and I'm pigs. This is my first year doing pigs. I'm pretty new to them. So uh, we had pigs when I was younger. I but I. I don't think I had anything to do with them really. I was younger, um, so they're they're new to me this year. And I had answers, and I had answers from well, give them give them a shot, or here's a here's an approach that's homeopathic, right? Mm. And there's so much support out there, and I, I had the answer in in, in zero time. Yeah, it's and amazing. It's, it's just amazing the, the resources we have right at our fingertips nowadays. And and you do have to be careful. There yeah. there is a lot of bad information floating around out there. But you know what I find is, yeah. I mean, if you're you don't just go to the first resource you find and go with that. You 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 keep looking and keep looking. And if you got if you have you know twenty thirty places that's saying the same thing, and maybe one or two that's off the wall a little bit, you you go with the with yeah. the majority of those, and you you can trust it usually. You know, I mean, you just have to do a little bit of research and homework and and. Uh, Mm-hmm. Yeah, right, but there are. There, it's just amazing, and it's relatively free. I mean, for the most part, uh, you got you have a little bit of internet cost or whatever. But I mean, it's amazing yeah. the information at, at your fingertips nowadays. Well, and that's all we have here too. Is actually just internet. We have we're we're the spot we're in. The only thing option we have is satellite internet, mm-hmm. and that's what we have. I we before we moved out here, we we actually realized we hadn't watched TV for months, <laughs> so we just <laughs> turned it off. Like it just we we realized that had been like two or three months before we had turned it on. Yeah, and that great. was and yeah we were on a, a property on the very edge of town, so we had some privacy. It was a yard like yard and gardening and camping, and um, we had our horses boarded and stuff. But even just even just those little things, it keeps you busy, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then now being here, we're even busier, which is great. It's all stuff we enjoy doing. It's yeah, I guess there's 
some moments like dealing with some of the water right now where we had like minus 30 there and it's cold and no one's happy and <laughs> and you're 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 out there hauling water and things like that and your pig knocks you over and soaks you and you're just not in the mood for it but um you don't need you don't need a lot of that stuff like we don't we don't have a microwave my my spouse's sister came to live with us she's 15 she's lived with us now for a year so since we've been on the farm and she uh she she doesn't we didn't have a microwave and she she didn't know how to cook so she <laughs> went, like she microwave a hot dog like that was yeah. how she would approach cooking and and now actually i was kind of like had a really proud moment because like she's talking about she's in grade 10 so she's looking at college she wants to be a vet and she wants to be uh, a large vet and take more of a homeopathic approach mm-hmm. and she's uh but she was saying she's oh, i don't think i'm ever going to get a microwave again like she's not missing it yeah but once you step away from some of those influences sometimes you know, those things that you that you think are so convenient this so there's a lot of solutions and there's a lot of answers and there's a lot of ways and sometimes it's easier i don't think homesteading is harder i think it's easier in a lot of ways and, i mean it's definitely harder work but it's it is a simpler it, it, it's a simpler life for it's sure. not difficult though yeah yeah yeah, it's it's just, yeah you're right it's no. not it's not that it's complicated or anything it's just that you know it's yeah like you said earlier you should go to bed tired you know every night i mean it, it's a good feeling it's natural yeah. to be in that in that place well and that's and that's what originally brought me to alberta was i i've always had a an interest in cattle but um feed prices especially up in the yukon are astronomical like they're 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 out of this world <laughs> and um our growing season is so short you're you can get a single cut of hay but you you don't really there's not a lot available up there and on top of that there's no infrastructure for it too there's mm-hmm. actually really no equipment available there's no there's no there's nothing available up there because it it's just it doesn't exist up there and um so i came to alberta and got a job on a ranch because i I decided I want to learn about cows, and that's kind of how I do things. Like I, I when I was younger, I wanted to learn to butcher, so I went and got a job at a butcher shop and did that for a year. And so I, I kind of started shopping around and was really honest and said I don't know anything about. Like I'm a farm girl, I'm I work hard, but I have zero clue about a cow. Right? I know animals. Like I, I don't see they're not usually two different. One like I, I can deal with horses. Is a cow really that different? Kind of was my opinion. And someone took a bunch of phone calls and someone gave me a job and. I actually, I drove to Saskatchewan, so I drove through Alberta and did, I uh, worked on a ranch that had over 3,000 cows and they, uh, I got thrown in the deep end. I learned to run a tractor. I learned, <laughs> I learned how to work cattle. I was out, um, with calving and doing all, like, all these experiences and I absolutely loved it. And there's nothing, I was doing 18 hour days. I did, I think, I, I think I did 40 days in a row or something like that. And you just, you hit your bed, you're tired, and it's such a fulfilling experience. And it was, I guess it was something I'd missed from back when I was on the farm when you go out and you would do firewood or you were butchering all day or you're out cleaning the coops and there was always something to do. And you'd, you'd sit down and you'd actually eat because you're hungry, not just because you think you should eat. And you go to bed and you fall asleep because you're tired. And it was, it, I missed it. I, it wasn't something that, like, once you, you grow up and you get a job and you get busy and you're not, 
paying as much attention, but you're you're busy being busy. You're not busy doing anything. Yeah, yeah. So Tanya, don't you know how odd you are that you would go and actually work on a on a place to try to learn how to do something? You're supposed to just crack a book or get on the internet. Don't you know how weird that is? <laughs> oh, <laughs> I think, I that, I think that's awesome that you want to be a you know you want to learn how to butcher, so you get a job butchering. You want to learn cows, so you go work with some cows. I think it's awesome. Nobody does that anymore. Yeah. Well, and and I think like that's what I, I think. That's why I I. I, I Go raise your kids like this. I, as I grew up, my parents were like, "Hey, like, get out of my hair. Here's a hammer. Here's a nail. Go build a fort." And we had a fort. We actually, yeah. we drew a line across the fort because if you crossed it, that side would collapse. And we were like, "Don't go to that side. It's, it's not sturdy." But <laughs> like, we we had some big knuckles and some bloody noses and some bruises. But I was never afraid to, to try anything. Yeah. Right? Yeah. That's but right. I like, if I want if I want an answer, I want a solution. I'm gonna go figure it out for myself. I don't depend on someone else for it. And growing up like that that was my parents attitude well figure it out like i you could be gushing blood and my dad would be like you know what you need to calm down you can stop crying i can't understand you <laughs> you can totally see what the problem was but like you put me in the middle of an emergency i don't freak out right you don't get worked yeah. up over it and we live an hour and a half out of town what are you gonna do you got to figure it out yourself my right. my right. dad's got my dad's got the stitches in the staple gun he can fix you it's like <laughs> you're fine right and wow. so like that's kind of how I grew up was with that kind of approach, and and there's there always is a solution if and if and just ask the question. That's yeah. that's all you got to do is just ask the question. You don't know, just ask. Yeah, that's, sounds it, like it, that. It's honestly, that simple. Yeah, that kind of upbringing and that kind of spirit, it's gonna it's gonna do you well on homesteading life for sure, and and sounds like it already has. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, well, and that's why we're we're moving back to that lifestyle. Is that yeah. I I really miss it. Isn't I'm I'm super entrepreneurial too, so I don't think I'll ever move away from businesses and working with people and doing that kind of thing. I, I like, um, I don't know, that kind of stress, I guess. It's just, it's, <laughs> I like that pressure. I like that energy. I like that excitement. I like, and I, I want to be, when you live a, I think a lot of homesteaders go away of, of a zero debt. And I think that that's a huge proponent. I think that's so important mm-hmm. is trying to live a debt free life. Yeah. If you chase a car payment your whole life, you're, that's what you're chasing. Mm-hmm. That's that is you're you're worried about what the person at the stoplight thinks about you. Oh yeah. So yeah. right, like it's it's not needed, and it's it's a car. I I I I like living frugal. I get excited that I I got I I paid eight hundred dollars for my van. It was <laughs> like the guy wanted it, three thousand yeah. for it, but I got it for eight hundred, and it yeah. I've been driving yeah. it for a year and a half. I'm like I I put a we we went and put an alternator in it the other day because I needed that, but that was about it, and it it's it's great and I think people I guess I I became so passionate with coming to Alberta and moving away because especially living in Vancouver Vancouver is such a large city and it's and the high school I went to and like uh I'm several of my classmates got BMWs for their 16th birthday and it was just it was such a different lifestyle and different value system and I I don't, I, I never found any of it fulfilling in any way. Right. It, it wasn't, it, right. And, and people didn't, they didn't have your back. Like it wasn't the same support you get from a, a farming community or a neighbor or your family that you have. And so I think that's one reason I'm running back so hard and like, so focused on that homesteading lifestyle is time is so much slower and life yeah. short. And I, I love that part of it is, is you just enjoy your day. And I love the variety. I, I, I'm absolutely, 
I could never do a repetitive job. I can't do a desk job. I can't do something like that because it's just, it's so consistently the same thing. So there's always something new to explore, something new oh, to yeah. try. Or a, and, and, and you know what? There's always a problem to fix. <laughs> so That's right. yeah. I, I love that. And I think that if you can take a little ownership and some pride in your life, it, it's so important for a human soul. It's, it, it, that's what life's worth living then, right? It's not about the shiny car. It's not about the big vacation. It's not about all the newest accessory or that smart TV in your living room. It's, oh, I agree with you. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it sounds but, like you're uh, heading down the right path. And I, lo- I love the, the, your sense of, you know, caring for the community and wanting to help others do it. I love it that, you know, the, the, the things you're anticipating in the future and stuff. I, I, you told me earlier you don't have a website or a, a Facebook page for what you're doing yet, but I, no. I, hope, I hope you uh, build one pretty soon because I'd love to see more about I, what you're going to be doing for sure. Well, I'm actually, I'm, it's, it's due here hopefully, hopefully the end of January because I'm going to be advertising for, our leasing programs, our rental trailers, um, and then uh, uh, a meat bird that I'm actually bringing in from Halifax, like a heritage cross meat bird, because mm-hmm. it's not available in the hatcheries here. So there will be some, uh, I, I, I love technology and the internet for that. Mm-hmm. Um, I've had other businesses, I own a natural cleaning service and stuff like that, and having a website, that kind of connectivity, that advertising is awesome. So it's, yeah. I'm building it. It's not there, but it will be up and running. And someone suggested a blog, but I have to look into that because I honestly don't even know how it works. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll we'll be in eager anticipation for this. I can't wait to see all the things you're going to be doing for sure because I, I, it sounds like you got a lot going on. And, and once you guys get your new land purchase and stuff, sounds like you're even going to have a whole lot more going on. So I'll be I'll be interested in seeing how that comes along for you. Yeah, well, we'll be we'll be. I, I really want to document it because it, it would hopefully mm-hmm. help other people educate and have. Especially where we are too, so I think it's with the summer winters and stuff here. There's different considerations that when you're looking at in different resources that might not translate yeah, right. depending on the area you live in. So uh, I want to do that, and then my parents will they'll be doing uh, they're looking at doing kind of a homesteading school, like giving people uh, courses in mm. like butchering, mm. canning, smoking, uh, smoking meat, gardening, things like that. Um, Bring so back some be, of the forgotten skills, huh? Yeah, like I, um, they they kind of had an aha moment with that because, like I said, I didn't realize not everyone, like, I didn't realize not everyone knew how to butcher a chicken. I thought it was common sense, and it's there's, not. There's some and people it, who don't even know eggs come out of chickens. It's amazing. <laughs> oh, I, I, I've had the conversation because we actually, um, like with the, with, you get the fun hens, you get the green eggs and the blue eggs and stuff, and people seem to be really concerned about the nutritional value of it and trying to explain to them that it's not. Right? Is it, well, is it the same? Like, yeah, well, can I eat it? Yeah. Well, yeah. It's absolutely the same. And, and your nutritional value has nothing to do with that. It has to do with what I've given them. Right. <laughs> so, yeah. uh, and those are adults that eat organic. Like, they're, they're not uneducated about the quality of food, but they're just, it was the same thing, too. I've had people come up and ask me what a turkey is because I've never seen one that's not on a plate. Mm-hmm. Right? They've never. What is that? Is it turkey? It's, it's amazing how separated right? as a society we are from our food nowadays, isn't it? It's just amazing. Yeah, yeah. Well, and I think too, I've had a few fun conversations too, where people don't understand how I can raise these animals, and I'm I'm so passionate about my animals. Like I go, I first thing I do when I come home is go sit and talk to my chickens, and I can pet half of them, and like the pigs are so friendly and stuff. And I I think having that emotional connection to your food and having putting 
that effort and that care into them and having that respect for them is more important than trying to go buy something out of a package. I, and I think it's so disrespectful to, to say, well, I can never, I can, I can't butcher an animal, but I, I would eat it out of a package. Yeah. I, I don't understand that point of view, but yeah. I understand. Well, you're, uh, well how can people get a hold of if they want to get a hold of you? Learn more about um, what you're doing. They could, uh, pro- you know what? I'm on the Homestead Front Porch there, Tanya Morrison. I don't know if there's anyone else with my name on there. It's probably the easiest <laughs> place, place to find me if they want to um, message me there on Facebook or anything like that. Sure. Um, they're welcome to. If anyone's in the Alberta area wants to, I don't know too many homesteaders around me yet. So if anyone's around here wants to talk or anything like that or. It's Anyone amazing where they're at. It, it, you never know. There, there's people around you don't even know yeah. they're there. <laughs> exactly. We're all hiding out in our little That's farms, right. right. That's right. They gotta keep quiet so no one comes and takes what they have. <laughs> Most of them are preppers. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. Well, it was really good talking uh, to you, Tanya. And, uh, to you. I'll, we'll definitely be chatting thank more you. in the Homestead Front Porch, and I, I'm excited about what all yeah. you're doing there. Yeah, thank you so much for your podcast. I, I, uh, I listen to podcasts all the time at work. I kind of got sick of the radio and the same 12 songs and the same news. So, um, yeah, I found you, and I, you're one of my favorite podcasts. I, I, I haven't, I haven't listened to the radio in months. That's all I do is listen to podcasts also. Um, <laughs> They're just yeah, great exactly. resource. Well, and, yeah, I'm always going down. And then you go, right, you go down that, you go down that rabbit hole because now I'm looking in the, like, with homesteading and stuff. And I just love listening to what other people are doing. And, yeah. Like, uh, finding out what's out there and listening to people's experiences because, yeah. Someone else has made a mistake, and maybe I don't have to. That's why I love having other homesteaders on the podcast, because, you know, it's not like, you know, I just love to hear what they're doing and how it's working out for them and mistakes they're making and the successes they're having, and everybody just gets to learn from that. We all learn from each other. It's great, great way to do it. So Yeah, it is. Well, thanks again for coming on. Thank you for taking the time for all the effort you put in. It's really appreciated by many people. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Well, we'll be chatting with you in the Homestead Front Porch. Thanks for coming on. Sounds good. You have a great day. You too. Bye. Well, I know you enjoyed that interview as much as I did. Uh, I'll tell you what, Tanya gave us a lot of great information there. And uh, I tell you, with everything she talked about, the thing that sticks out to me the most about that interview was not all the things she's doing, but her attitude behind the things she's doing. I mean, uh, losing all those chickens to predators, and she wasn't really discouraged to the point of giving up. I mean, I'm sure she was discouraged, no doubt about it, but she's just going back to work and she's going to make it happen and she fixed the problem. She's, she's doing things to correct it. And I just love that attitude. I think what a, what a great homesteading outlook to have on this. You know, I mean, you got to just say, I'm going to make this work. You know, even if we have some failures, even if there's some mistakes or even if there's things that may may be going the way I want them to go. We're still going to work hard and we're going to make this go. And I think Tanya is going to be successful in anything she does because of that attitude. So I appreciate her coming on and sharing that with us and giving us some encouragement and some inspiration and uh, helping us all to maybe kind of try to acquire a little bit of that in our own lives and um, always learn and move forward and continue to grow. So thanks, Tanya, for coming on the podcast today. Hey, I wanted to tell everybody, um, we've been doing our... uh, some little live discussions at, at smalltownhomestead.com forward slash live. And if you want to be in that about once a week, I'm going to try to put on a uh, live video uh, discussion where I'll be on video and there's a chat room there. 
And uh, you can come in and you can join the chat. And our last one was on uh, raising meat rabbits. And you can still go there and see the replay on that. All these will have a replay. But I would encourage you to to be part of the actual live event because I kind of feed off the questions and it helps me to you know answer the questions that need to be that need to be answered. So I'll encourage you to come. Uh, I, I'll have the dates in there. If you just pop in there, I'll if I have another one coming up, I'll go ahead and post it in the chat when the next uh, live event is. And uh, you can come in there and watch. And it's, it's, it's a lot of fun. We've had a pretty good turnout on both events. We've done two so far in last week. And uh, hopefully I'll be getting some more uh, um, homesteaders and do some training discussions as well where they'll just come in and teach us about something, you know, and we'll, we'll all learn together. And it's been a great, it's been a great little thing to do. And I, I think I'm going to really like doing that. I think it's going to become a big part of what we're doing at the website and stuff. So I would encourage you to go to smalltownhomestead.com forward slash live and you can see what we're doing there. So you can watch the video on raising meat rabbits. Uh, and, and also I had one on uh, homesteading right where you are. And uh, yeah, I want to encourage you to be a part of that. I'd really enjoy you coming and, and be part of the live discussion. So I just wanted to tell you about that. And I also wanted to tell you, if you want to, if you want to get in touch with, uh, with Tanya, make sure you join the Homestead Front Porch Facebook group. All you have to do is search in Facebook for Homestead Front Porch. You'll find it. It'll pop up and then request to join. It's a closed group, but all you have to do to join is ask, and we'll get you in there. And uh, we have some great discussions in there. And if you're not part of that already, uh, you should be part of that. Tanya's in there. You can look her up and ask her any questions you want to ask her or anything like that. So, yeah, come be a part of the Homestead Front Porch Facebook group, and let's continue to build our community and educate and help one another. Um, thanks for joining me today on the podcast, folks. And, and until next week, happy homesteading and God bless. Thanks for listening. To see the show notes for this podcast or listen to other podcast episodes, go to smalltownhomestead.com. There you can also read our blog, connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, and Google+, and take advantage of the many resources we make available to help you along in your homesteading journey. Please share this podcast and help us to carry out our mission of helping others to homestead today for a better tomorrow.